0: Welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. On this episode, Clint Clifton sits down with Pastor Rob Wilton to talk about his new church plant in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is a great story. Uh, Pastor Rob has a history of already planting a successful church in New Orleans, but God gave him a holy discontentment and has led him to the city of Pittsburgh. And he is planting vintage church there in the city of Pittsburgh. So a great story all about just how God takes a guy from a successful work and still stirs him up for more in a new city and stay posted for some follow up comments at the end of this episode.
1: Rob, thanks for uh, talking with me today. Excited to talk with you. All right. Well, you uh, you just did something crazy. Yes. <laughs> from in church planting land, this is the craziest thing that anybody does. Yeah. You planted a church how long ago in New Orleans? 2008. Okay. We really began meeting fall of 2007, but our official launch was fall of 2008. Okay. You planted that church in 2008 and the church was by nam north american church planning standards successful yeah and reached people you obtained a a facility right right and expanded the facility right and the church was thriving on all fronts yeah had a very coveted and cool role as the chaplain of the new orleans saints yeah buddies with Guys we watch on TV. Yep. <laughs> and you left, you just pop smoke. hey you're you're making me regret this. <laughs> <laughs> you just left I didn't realize how
2: good I had it. It
1: was yeah. And you just at the top of your game you just peaced out and you went to the what I have heard it described as the thirty second most interesting Sin City. Yeah. And there's 32 sin cities.
2: Yeah. I, I would say, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Most interesting. <laughs> Kevin described it to yes. me that way. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, so the question of the hour is why'd you do that? Yeah. So, um,
2: you know, it's a, it's a total God juke here. Yeah. But God called. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, I come from a a rich heritage. My grandfather was the first one in our family that we can trace back for generations that ever surrendered to Christ. Uh, In South Africa, my whole family's South African. My parents both grew up um, in South Africa and were headed towards very successful careers. And a Mississippi preacher showed up out of nowhere and had a revival in their area and uh, preached on the call of God. And my parents responded that night, uh, surrendered it all to the call of God and asked that Mississippi preacher where they should go to get ready for ministry. That preacher said, New Orleans, Louisiana. And within a month, my parents sold all their possessions and moved across the world to New Orleans. And I was born two years later. And so I'm saying that to say... uh, Leaps of faith when God calls yeah. is something that from a young age I saw with my own eyes yeah. modeled by my parents. Wow, that's And cool. I just know my grandfather who's going to be with Christ, his line always, he beat this into our heads. Yeah. God's call trumps all. Yeah, God's call trumps all. And so our journey in New Orleans, this makes it even crazier like, yes, God multiplied our church and, and amazing we in eight years we moved thirteen times as a church. Yeah. So when we moved into this church property, like it wasn't just like amazing. It was sweet. Like <laughs> this thing was so unbelievable for us to have our own property right. and the the grand opening of our property. I stand up to preach, and on the wall behind me is Jesus' words, I will build my church. Yeah. And at that point in time in my life, I had been praying through the book of Acts. And I actually took a sabbatical where um, I shouldn't have been preparing for a future sermon series, but I still was. Yeah. And I was reading all these stories of Paul planting churches, right. and the Lord was just speaking to me. And when I got up to preach that grand opening, I knew it the moment I got up on the stage that the Lord said, "You're done." Yeah. I didn't know to what. Oh. I just knew that I had finished my role. Wow. In in that season, and so, to be honest, uh, it took me two months to tell my wife that. Yeah. We had just bought a home, oh, for the first time that we loved. Our kids were in the school we wanted in New Orleans. Uh, things couldn't have been better with the New Orleans Saints. Chaplain right. role, um, the staff was a dream. Yeah, all the guys that I had dreamed of working with. Um, so everything. I mean, there was, mm. I wasn't. I wasn't running from anything. Right. Like, and it didn't make sense. But yeah. I knew that the Lord had called. So I began to process that. Brought it to my team in New Orleans. We began to process that. We at first looked at the opportunity of me planning maybe another work in the New Orleans region, um, nothing would open up. I mean, there were vacant buildings right. that would have been great spots for me to plant another location, and God just shut the doors. Right. And a church came to me from Orlando, downtown Orlando, an old Baptist church, to basically do like a replant. Yeah. I walked into that, and we went all the way to where I was voted in as their next pastor. And um, let's just say that within a month everything that they had agreed to change was no longer on the table. Mm -hmm. And so I was transitioning my church. This is two falls ago. Um, So I hadn't moved fully to Orlando, but when that started to go south, um, I just knew that I was going to spend the next 10 years of my life, honestly, just getting them to the point where they could start going forward. Right. And I didn't want to waste my time. Yeah. And so... Fought them a little bit to say, "Here's what you agreed to, unless you say this is where we're going, I'm not coming." Yeah, and they wouldn't change, and so I resigned, and God used that to put me on the North American Mission Board's radar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, know, I the other side of that story is, <clears throat> you know, we had at Nam we've been focusing on these cities yep. and it was, I think we were all amazed at the progress that happened across the country in yep. in those, in the various cities. Um, there were, there were a few cities though, that progress was slow yeah. and, in a and then a very few cities where there's virtually nothing happening, even after, you know, eight, 10 years of trying. Right. And, uh, Pittsburgh was one of those cities. I mean, it was just a place where you couldn't get anybody to go. And, uh, So our president, Kevin, he, he, at one point just kind of got frustrated, I think, and said, if we can't do this, I'm going to do it myself. And he, he appointed himself as the city missionary there and kind of went after bringing some focus to that city. And, uh, and so that was, you know, to see how now to hear that whole story and see how, um, God was preparing you for that. It's really cool. Yeah. I so.
2: remember the phone call I got kind of from Kevin Yeah, and, um, you know, so thankful for all the work that Kevin did kind of in that in-between season, because I've really been able to walk into to Pittsburgh with a lot of things laid out for me. Mm-hmm. But when, when he called me, he's like, Rob, don't go to Orlando. We've got an amazing opportunity. And a place called Pittsburgh, and I was like, "That sounds terrible. Like I don't—I've never been to Pittsburgh. It's cold up there." And he was like, "Don't knock it till you try it, you know." And so my wife and I went up to Pittsburgh, and once again, talk about God's call. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, it's not a context we're familiar with. But I'm telling you, the moment we went in that city, we were picked up at the airport. We drove through the fort. Pit Tunnel. We saw the city. My wife and I knew that first night. We looked at each other. We said, "This is what the Lord's called us to." Yeah. We couldn't see that. We couldn't plan it. Yeah. It wasn't part of my five-step life plan. Right. Like, but the Lord just said, "This is it." Yeah. And uh, and so it's been a pretty crazy journey getting from there to, to where we are today. Yeah. Well,
1: that's sweet. So where you are today? that's a good. Uh, where are you today? What's yep. your uh, just give us a rundown of what's happening in Pittsburgh?
2: Yeah. yeah. So even though I planted before. I knew that I needed a little bit of margin time to rest, uh, to kind of gather myself and to really strategize and prepare yeah. for church planning. And I would just say that for any church planner, I don't care if you've done it before, none of us really know what we're doing. Yeah. I know how many whiteboard sessions didn't work out in right. New Orleans. And I knew that what I needed to get right first was my spiritual life, uh, get rested up physically and prepared because I know what it takes to plant and I know it takes a lot out of you yeah and so thankfully my brother is the missions pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church and my buddy who I went to seminary with Robbie Gallady, is the senior pastor yeah. and they had just jumped into initiative where they want to plant in all 32 cities yeah And so it just became the perfect marriage. I went up there for six months to Nashville with my family, got out of New Orleans, was able to pass off leadership. So thankful, like in New Orleans, I was at our church two weeks ago. Like it's doing better now that I've left. It hurts my feelings. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But like Dustin (laughs) Turner, who's the new lead pastor, was my equipping pastor. Yeah. And he's now the lead pastor Um, and so on and so forth on our team. Everybody just raised their level. Of leadership, and they're killing it, and yeah. there's incredible unity. But I went to Nashville, prepared, got ready, did fundraising, a lot of traveling, uh, sharing vision about Pittsburgh, recruiting partners, and then putting the plan in place. And we landed in August, yeah, um, and moved our family there. This past fall, it's all been about we've called it our connect phase. Yeah, so get to know the city, move in, make sure the kids are good at school, right. Uh, you know, make sure everything's in place, but moving with us, were about 30 to 40 people from around the country. And then once we landed in Pittsburgh, a uh, part-time CPC, mm-hmm. his name's Ken Cordray, who had planned a church five, six years ago, um, came to me and started to say that the Lord was calling him to go full-time as a CPC. Yeah. And when we started to have conversations it just fit, he was one of the first guys that let me preach at a church in Pittsburgh. Yeah and um when he started to share that with his leadership at the church the church was like well if you're going to join up with Rob we want to as well right and so within 2 months this church of about 50 merged in with our new church plant wow. and so this fall our our core group our right. our, our law, this is so different than what happened in New Orleans right right we're already you know a good 60 70 people strong yeah and We've really decided to take our time, and from now January all the way to August, we're going to build, the build phase. Yeah. But we're going to build a foundation yeah. of discipleship first, mission second, worship third, so that everything in our church is relational and it embeds the DNA of our church. And so I just believe you don't rush that process. Yeah. The, greater, the stronger the foundation, the greater the impact. And um, with Nam, I'm planning a church that right out the gate has the goal of being a multiplying church. Right. And so we want to make sure that we're going to be good stewards of, of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, this fall, I stepped in to serve as the Sin City Missionary. And um, just super excited to strategize yeah. and, and uh, do whatever I can to inspire, equip uh, churches to be church planting churches yeah. all over our region.
1: Man that's that's cool. That's a fantastic story and um two things that aren't really related to the story that just to, to mention um I'm always intrigued by this. So you grew up in a pastor's household. Yep. Um your dad is a very successful pastor and um I'm always curious, I think mainly for myself because yep. I got kids, right? I'm always curious. You know what do you point to as what your mom and dad did yeah. that contributed to you loving Jesus and His Church and yeah. not hating it?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll say my brother's in ministry. He was an IMB missionary. Uh, today's a missions pastor. My sister works full time with Samaritans Purse in South Sudan. Wow. And so I I I, I really like. So you're the black sheep. Yeah. I'm the one that's rebelling. Right. So uh, I I say that to say I think a lot of my parents. Yeah. And people have asked me that before.
1: Yeah.
2: First of all, I know preachers' kids who grew up in similar environments like me who today don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. At the end of the day, everybody's responsible for themselves. And parenting really is about the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Because... um, it's not just like we as parents control whether or not our our children. But I do believe there's things that we can do. Mm. And one of the things I know that my parents did, I never had to compete with the church for my parents. Mm. Now this was pre-cell phone days and everything else. But when dad was with us, when mom was with us, they were with us. Mm. And dad made a, a moment. I grew up in New Orleans tells... Thirteen, fourteen, and my dad moved our family to Spartanburg, South Carolina and became pastor of this mega church. Honestly, the church was, was whooping him as he was changing some things around. It was a rough season. We wanted to all go back to New Orleans, but yeah. I really wanted to. Yeah, I hated Spartanburg. I missed my friends in New Orleans. And so, one Wednesday night, I'm skipping youth group. And I didn't want to be there. I hated it, and I wanted to go to the gym and shoot hoops. And so I'm skipping youth group, and I run into my dad with some deacons. And so my dad's South African, you know. It's like this big booming, like, roll beat, you know. And so, like, <laughs> out of nowhere, I'm like, dang it, I'm caught. And so dad walks over to me, not with the deacons, but just says, son, what are you doing? You're supposed to be a youth group. Yeah. And I said, dad, I don't want to be here. I don't like this place. I don't want to be here. You know what he did? Like, this is pre-cell phone stuff, like, he looks at me and goes, you know what? I don't want to be here either. <laughs> he said, let's, let's skip. And to this day, he doesn't even turn around and tell those deacons anything. He and I go out of the church building, get in his car, and we go bowling. <laughs> so he just bounced on his own deacons meeting oh, and took me. But that was a moment for me because I was headed towards rebellion I, I had just repeated the eighth grade, almost uh, flunked eighth grade. Uh, I hated the church.
1: What a great story.
2: And that was a moment that dad made to say, none of this is more important than you. Great story. And yeah. and that became a turning point for me. And so that was the kind of home I grew up in where I, I legitimately didn't have to compete with the church for my dad, within reason. Now, right. my dad was very busy, but he always included us. Yeah. And then there were moments where, son, I got to work. Yeah. But for the most part, I never felt like that and I, and I I see I see a lot of that sadly creeping in with me as my kids are getting older I've yeah. got a 10 year old two eight year olds and a five year old mm-hmm. and I, sad to say I'm not putting my phone away enough yeah and and you know but by the grace of God, I need to make myself more aware of that really for mean. my own kids so. yeah.
1: And that's cool. Rob, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes and talking. For sure. uh, Appreciate all that you're doing.
0: Okay, Clint Clifton. Uh, We just listened to this interview with Rob Wilton. Yeah. Um, It sounds like you guys have a history with each other,
1: uh, some rapport. Tell us a little bit about the origin stories of how you met him. Uh, I met Rob in New York City uh, years ago. Um, We were at an event together, a North American Mission Board event together, and um, we We didn't meet each other at the event, but we both took our wives to a Broadway show, uh, Newsies, uh, and we ended up sitting next to each other at the show and uh, got to know each other there. And so that was fun. And then we went and had dinner together after the show. No, no, so uh, no, not at all. But it (laughs) was. we recognized each other when we were there, and it was it was a fun fun memory. And every time I reference him to my wife, she's like, "Is that a guy we went to Newsies with?" And <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a good time we met there. And then we've uh, we've been sort of friends at a distance uh, since then. Yeah.
0: So um, he has this uh, legacy of some fruitful ministry already yeah. in New Orleans, um, and now he's just getting up planting a church in Pittsburgh. Yeah um a brave that's a brave step
1: yeah it is a brave step and i i think that i mean listening to the interview you probably get that, that was that was what it was about mainly uh but it was a very brave step and uh but you know i was challenged personally too just having that conversation with him about complacency you know i just we all got into this church planting thing because we want we wanted the lord to use us in unusual ways and and i think You know he just has always struck me as a guy who when he hears the voice of the Lord he just does whatever the Lord tells him to do you know yeah Yeah. what do you
0: hope what do you hope church planters will hear as they listen Mm -hmm. to this interview and the conversation you had with him
1: well I think most church planters will hear that what Rob was able to accomplish and with the help of the Lord in New Orleans was what we all kind of aim at you know he he hit the bullseye but he didn't regard that as his own. It wasn't a thing to be grasped, so to speak, in a Philippians 2 kind of way. So uh, he, uh, we all really resonate with the idea that we want to love Christ, treasure Christ more than we do our ministries, yet our ministries become such a big part of our identity. Um, so I just was reminded, even as I was sitting there talking to him, like as I've spent the last 15, 20 years trying to build my career, so to speak, in church planting or in, in my my church ministry or with nam um just if if the lord calls me if he am i still am i still his chief servant ready to go and say yes to whatever he does and so uh yeah i want to put rob on a pedestal for it maybe he had some other motives mixed in there but who knows but he definitely did something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and he put himself in a spot that feels kind of vulnerable Uh, he could have had a very successful run then be a total failure in pittsburgh you know and I think we all, under the on un, under the surface, we all have this fear of failure thing, you know, going on in us. Because a lot of guys do fail all around us, you know. Yeah. We watch guys fail on every side monthly, you know. Yeah. And so it's a it's a hard thing we're doing, and it's you know we we exercise our faith to go out there and do it, but we put ourselves on a on a ledge too while we do that. So yeah. Now.
0: When you look at um, Rob, is there a um something that he does that you would say is exemplary, that you would point other church planters to a model in his ministry?
1: Right. You know, I haven't been inside his ministry. I've only known him. But yeah. I would say when I'm around him, I th- I, th- uh, I think of him as a person who has holds people to really high spiritual standards. And I'm always interested how so many church planners, they, they build their ministry around holding people to really low ministry standards, you know, mm-hmm. um, essentially, essentially asking the question, how can I make my church the easiest church for them to participate in? You know, Ooh, that's uh, good. and, um, and, and Rob seems like the kind of guy who doesn't even compute that question. He wants to hold people to the highest standards possible to give their lives for the gospel, to dedicate themselves deeply, but he, but he also has a high standard of excellence for the way he does things. So what that does is it makes impressive young people want to be a part of what he's doing and see the, so you combine like kind of the, the heart in what he does and the level of excellence uh, mm-hmm. in what he does. And people that are young and ambitious want to be a part of doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, I just think there's something to that. If, if we set out, uh, it, I, where those of us who struggle with success or fruitfulness in ministry, it's not because uh, we haven't made our standards low enough, it's because we haven't made them high enough. Mm, I
0: love that. Great, thanks for that.
1: Hey, are you a pastor that wants to lead your church to reproduce? Well, I've got something for you. It's called Church Planting Thresholds. Church Planting Thresholds is a simple, step-by-step, gospel-centered guide that will help you guide Uh, someone from your congregation to lead a church planting team out somewhere else. Many pastors tell me that they don't have the expertise, they don't have the money, they don't have the resources they need to start a new church. Well, I don't think that's true. The only resource you need to start a new church is a ready leader. So even if your church is very small and you don't have a lot of resources at your disposal, if you can disciple a man to lead a team of people out from your church to start another new church, then you have all that you need to reproduce. Church Planting Thresholds will help you do it. Church Planting Thresholds is available in English and in Spanish. It's even available as an audiobook. You can find it at Amazon or on audible.com.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Church Planting Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode.